Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. On today's show, we're going to be covering the topic of feminism and seduction. Uh, what has feminism taught us? How does it help us maybe with dating and flirting, seduction? Does feminism apply equally to men and women and queer people, or does it affect us sort of differently, um, especially with how we maybe are going to use it with flirting? Is feminism even compatible with seduction, and or are they maybe opposite concepts? Uh, Kimberly has challenged me a little bit on that, so we'll, <laughs> I don't think we have our answer yet, so we'll see how that turns out. And uh, we're also going to cover, though, in this episode, a, sort of a history of feminist theory, how it developed, some background information about it, the, the three um, three waves of feminism that I think I didn't always know all the stuff until I met Kimberly, and I think it's good information that most of us really should, should know. So um, that is our topic for the day, and we'll, you know, tie that all into, like, learning and seduction and how feminism can hopefully benefit. So today, I'm Stephen. I'm your host uh, for the Ethical Seduction. My wife Kimberly is here. Hello. And Brandy. Hi. And Ava is not here. She's <laughs> and taking the day off. So, um, again, favorite question: mm. What have you all done that's interesting this week? So here in Nashville, it's snow apocalypse. Like. Many Fact. places, yes, yeah. <laughs> all all across our great land. Um, so we Which can't really we had do half anything. An inch, half an no, inch. We, had, we did have like four inches, though. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually true. Which is a ton for Nashville. Anyway, so I needed something to do. So I needed a TV show to watch, and since Sex in the City is being rebooted, um. I don't know if they started filming it yet. I started watching the old ones. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting because I had not watched them since I was in my 20s, which is like when they were popular. Um, and so I feel like I have maybe a different perspective on the show now than I would have then. And at that time, um, a lot of people were saying like, this show is so feminist, which, you know, relates to what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I would say uh, kind of. <laughs> um, right. So there's some stuff that I like on the show and some ideas they propose that I like and some stuff I'm like, oh, no, no. Um, but I do think that for its time, it really brought forth a lot of ideas about sex that were not previously talked about on television. You mean like women could own vibrators, the right to own vibrators? Well, you I know. Remember, I'm being serious, though, like in the sense that like that's one of the things I remember hearing about Sex in the City is like it was one of the first time it was talked about, like people actually admitted it on a TV show, on a fictional Probably. Also, vibrators until not too long ago were illegal in many states. Are you serious? Yes. Hmm. Especially of the South. The, the damage it would do or like shaking people's brains or that's so weird. Okay. But yet a medical doctor could do it. Right. Isn't that part of it? Oh, back they in, created, the, in the fifties or something. Right. Yeah. They created like the machine to quote unquote relief hysteria by giving well, you an orgasm, which I'm like, I mean, it's a decent start. Well, we can start there. You know, <laughs> well, you, um, you're tell, like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know. <laughs> 
Well, you know, Kellogg cereal, uh, Kellogg had this whole, like, um, I don't know what you call it, like a spa area. He had all these professionals and he would help women with their hysteria and he would help them by basically masturbating them until they came. It was, it's weird. Okay. I, I don't know. The selfless service yeah. that is right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was all under the guise of like, there's something wrong with you. And, but Hey, we can fix it. If we hit the button that's up inside your vagina, it was weird. It's so I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth, but it's like, I don't have all the details, you know? Right. So yeah. It, it, Google. Well, I'm it. glad that they started searching for it well before <clears throat> I was aware of it. Um, it used to be called a spot for Kellogg, but now it's no, no, I just made that up. Um, so what about the cake? Wasn't there something about a cake? Okay. Oh, no, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so I've tried to make a no bake cheesecake twice, twice, and I have failed with the consistency because I don't understand baking terms. So I don't know what things like whip the whipping cream until it's like at soft peaks. What the hell? Yes, that means. forms the soft Stop. peaks and they stay. <laughs> Meringue. Grandy, you're the baking person. <laughs> But mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, so it's like gradually getting better. So maybe third time's a charm. Well, good for you for trying. I, I, I do think third time you'll get it. Yeah. So um, a little interesting fact about my week. So, you know, oh, uh, real quick. So, yes, naturally we got quite a bit of snow and then we got ice and freezing rain and then more ice and then more snow. And I was like, oh, my God, we got at least six inches out there. And I went and measured it and it was like three and I'm like, that explains a lot about me um, to be like that far off. I was like, hmm. But, um, but I had my primary partner in town from Knoxville and he got snowed in with me all week, like a eight solid days of just me. <laughs> um, he's a true survivor. And so that was really fun and unexpected that we had that much time together. And we yeah, made the best good. of it. But anyway, that was all. Well, you know, Kimberly and I, we started seeing each other six years ago and it was like at a snowstorm like this. And it was the same, same kind of thing. First like we had yeah, the first, first date. And then later after that, it was the same kind of thing. Like it was The snow was coming and I was like, I've got to get to our house before the snow hits. And then I realized I was out in the road and like over my head, like, like I know I grew up in Baltimore, so I kind of know snow, but and Nashville's not prepared for it, you know? And it not was like, all. and I made it to the, the like entrance of her apartment complex where there's a hill and then I just blocked the entire thing. So I did like walk up, get her, mm -hmm. you know, the car out and get it got it moved and stuff like that. But it was it was like a, oh, it was a, a flashback. I backwards on the highway. You know, it's like just I should not have been out there. So no, anyway. probably not. Okay. But anyway, all right, let's okay. get into okay. things. We have comments. So, um, so listener feedback. So we on Instagram, I just want to kind of give some shout outs to Mr. Obear and Paula because they both made some Instagram comments that I liked uh, about Valentine's Day. Um, the, the general consensus, I was asking people, like, do you like Valentine's Day, hate Valentine's Day? Because we just had our Valentine's Day fist fight podcast that, that went out. And um, most people kind of are like, eh, it's fine. You know, like really, I got, that's the impression I kind of got was most people don't care. Um, and they both see both sides of it, you know, but, uh, Paula made a comment that I really liked what she says. She goes out and she buys herself candy and flowers. 
you know, so I thought that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like self-care. And how often do you go buy yourself a gift? And so I thought that's, that's, that's a good one. We didn't have that in our list of like suggestions. And I, I like that. That is good. I like that. Um, but wait, that's not all. Oh. We also have a, uh, a listener voicemail. So. If I approach my partner or partners in a conversation about making a change in our relationship, what is my level of responsibility for the eventual outcome of the conversation? So I think, thank you, Leon, for sending that in. I think what Leon is, is saying and asking about is, okay, he's got his partner or partners. And if he's approaching them saying, hey, I want to make a change in our relationship, what is his level of responsibility if something goes bad? So if they either get hurt or if there's a fight or they don't like it. So if if things turn south, what is his level of responsibility? And by responsibility, I think what he's also getting at is like, what is he supposed to do? Or is he supposed to, in some respects, be like, well, that's on you. We talked and that's on you. Or is he supposed to do a certain amount of caring or, you know, so I think that's what he's getting at. He has a difficult conversation. And it doesn't go well. What, what should he maybe be doing next? Well, I think if you're at a point in a relationship where there's like a serious conversation that needs to happen, if um, you go into it just with good intentions, open communication, leaving a good area of grace to happen for everyone involved, because people are going to hear information they might not necessarily be expecting. You might not be the best at delivering that information, and that's okay. But everyone comes at it with the common goal of how can we make us all happy? Um, that can get you far, far in a conversation, no matter what the real topic could be. So I agree with Brandy. Um, but I also want to say that I feel like as long as you're doing the best you can to present your, the information or your perspective, then you can't really be responsible for how that person reacts to that information. You're really only responsible for like presenting it as well as you can and remaining calm and how you react to their reaction. Mm-hmm. So ultimately you're not really responsible for their reaction. If that's what he's getting at. So here, let me add my thoughts. I, I, I agree. I'm going to expand on that Kimberly. I think um, my first thought was, which is like, how would I have the conversation? Which is not really what he asked, okay? But for how would you have the conversation? So for me, a lot of times if something's difficult, you make it multiple conversations. So the first one is you come in, you say your thing, and then you just let it rest, right? Because everybody Mm -hmm. needs to kind of sit and have some time to think about it or whatever. And then the second time you come in for the conversation, maybe that's when you can really have the details because people have been able to process it a little bit. So that was one thing that went through my head. Um, but, and I also but, want to stop real quick and just say and acknowledge that that can be very difficult for someone. So if it's me initiating the conversation, it's very likely I've thought about this for weeks and months and really tried mm-hmm. to maybe perfect what I'm going to present. So then to then present my information and then give everything a pause to me might be difficult because I've put so much energy into it already. But you need to, like you said, acknowledge that they have it and they need that same time maybe yeah. to process it. Yeah. 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 So I've, I have done that before. I've done that with Kimberly where it's like, Hey, uh, you know, what do you think about this? You know, 
let's talk about it later, but just think about it. And when you're ready, let's talk. Um, if a conversation's not good, like if it's going to bother somebody or whatever, and you don't have that luxury of kind of waiting, then the other part is I think you do have sort of a responsibility maybe just to listen to them. So, you know, you put your part out there like, Hey, I want to make a change in our relationship. Then you listen to what they say, you know, and, and I would say you try not to be defensive, you try not to do a whole lot, but just, but listen and understand where they're coming from. And I think that then gets you into the conversation. Then you can have the sort of back and forth. And as far as responsibility, though, I think like once you've, let's say it's multiple conversations, once you've said what you need to say and heard the other person's thing come back, I know with, with myself, um, I'm thinking in particular, like when, before, before getting divorced, but like leading up to that, it's like one per, it, only one person needs to make a change. You know, so when one person says, I want to make a change, the other person basically can say, I agree. It's almost like a legal thing. Like I agree or I disagree, but if you can't come to terms to it, then you, in, in, like in our case it was like, then you don't have the same relationship. You know, the marriage doesn't work, you know, at that point. So either person, in my opinion, it's like either person's allowed to come to the table and change the agreement at any time for any reason. Like that's life. Like we can always do that. When we do it, we should have a you know, talk and hear what the other person has to say, and you hopefully are trying to come to another agreement. But if if you don't, if it's not something you're comfortable with, like don't agree to something that you're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know? And or buy yourself time and say like, well, you know, let's think about this, and we'll come back, you know, in, in a month or something like that, and and talk about it then. Thanks. That was a good question. March is Women's History Month, and so that we, we're talking about like, what can we maybe do for the um, the ethical seduction episodes in March and where that kind of led me was thinking about personally feminism and how does that fit in with flirting and seduction that we deal a lot with on this show. Uh, And so the question was sort of also at the beginning was like, does it, you know, or are these like two really kind of opposite things or are they not stuff that really should mix, you know, like they're just kind of two different topics, but they're not something that you would kind of cross over. And as I thought about more, I was like, no, I do think like there's a place for where the two of them come together. So I talked a little bit with Kimberly and she was like, ah, I don't know. And that made me think like, well, okay, I need to think about this more. So I started that. That's what generated this whole, this whole episode. So my hypothesis, I'm going to say, is just that, yeah, I do think fem- feminism does help us and teach us about flirting, seduction, and I'm going to say kind of how to treat other people, you know, the connections that go on there. But it may not be a perffect fit. And the other thing which I'll ask too is like, I don't know that feminism impacts everybody the same way. I think women might be impacted with it a certain way, men a certain way, you know, queer or other other types of people, you know, can it, it can affect people different ways. So that's one of the things later I will kind of ask about. Um, so I thought it would be an interesting topic to really kind of get into because I like the stuff when I don't have all the answers and I can come in here and kind of bounce it off you all. And I don't always know what you guys are going to say. So, um, one of the things I would like to do in the very beginning though, is Kimberly's got a, has a women's studies degree and knows a ton about women's history and feminism and how it kind of, uh, you know, developed. Um, I know a lot of people are just maybe kind of confused by what the term means. And when I say confused, like you kind of know, but you don't always maybe know the right depth or something like that. So I wanted to, to like some of the misconceptions Kimberly's asked me before she's go like, well, you know, Steve, do you consider yourself a feminist or not? And I was like, well, 
Like, yeah, like, well, why would I not? She goes, okay, well, like half my boyfriends in the past, you know, were, were like, no, I'm not a feminist. And so I think from her perspectives, like that didn't always make sense, you know? And so there, I think there are misconceptions. So have you, what, let me start there if you don't mind. Like, have you all heard misconceptions or what are some of the kind of the, the normal tropes that people say? Well, the first thing would be that some people think men can't be feminists, also, the big one is like feminists just hate men and want to dominate mm-hmm. everybody. That was going to be mine. Wait, yeah. they want to dominate everybody, which is not true. <laughs> oh, you like that. Some of us are submissives, right? Okay, so those, those are probably the. I, that's good. Those are probably the biggest two, I think. Right, and then, then if you have a male that is. Um, um, trying to support um, a female-oriented person in their life, and it almost de- can demasculinize them around their friends. I've, I've grew up with that in East Tennessee before. Like if mm. a male is supportive of a female and whatnot, then it can almost take away some of his own masculinity, mm-hmm. or that's the way yeah. it's perceived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kimberly, uh, I guess in your own words, like, what exactly is feminism? Oh, wait, I wanted to bring up another point, which I think a misconception is that um, men won't benefit from feminism. And so if you have listened to one of our earlier episodes, I believe on toxic masculinity, then you will know that um, feminism tries to kind of like get away from toxic masculinity and so therefore you know that's how it one way that feminism can benefit men because toxic i can't speak okay toxic Toxic masculinity um isn't just a negative thing for women it doesn't just affect women but it affects men um think of you know men can't express their emotions well that's not healthy for example um, so yeah. that was one thing I wanted to throw in there before I move to what I'm going to kind of say for my definition of feminism. You know, on, on just bouncing off that. Yeah. yeah that uh, the reason we did that episode, that was episode three on alpha males and stuff. And I feel like there's so much bad information out there stereotyping that, I mean, I know I was exposed to it and I think back on growing up and I realized like I was more involved in that than I realized, you know, just exposed to certain things of, of what toughness is and, you know, yeah, how to relate to women and things. And it's just bad information. And therefore, because we get bad information, we often don't act as well, you know? So that's, I think that's the goal of what we're trying to do on with the ethical seduction thing is to like actually give people good information that, that fits and works. and is not just like showy stuff. So. All right, so Kimberly, what what is you want to expand on what what is feminism? So, if you ask um, a different feminist or every feminist um, a definition of what is feminism, you'll get a different answer for every person. I would have to say, um, which can be problematic because it's kind of like, well, we're not that unified as a movement. Um, However, what I would say feminism is to me is equality for women, queer people, people of color, trans people, um, lower class people, people who are disabled. So really anyone who is marginalized, um, we are seeking, um, and I know now we are supposed to say equity actually, um, versus equality, um, 
if anyone wants to explain that better than I can. I, I do because okay. uh, that was in my notes, like at the near the end, that, that I was going to bring that up. I think that's important. So uh, equality is like, say, Brandy and uh, Kimberly and I, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, uh, like a tax, like a flat tax. You know, we've got different incomes, whatever like that, but we all get taxed like the same same rate. You know, that that would be e equality. It's equal for, for all of us. The equity would be where you're trying to get us all at the same level. So if I, being the white male, make more money than Kimberly and Brandy, I might go to taxes and end up paying more, say, than, than Brandy and Kimberly. And that's to try to get us balanced, maybe make more of like, say, middle class, you know, stereotypically. That's equity is when you're, you're trying to get everybody to the same level. So the principle good? is that we're not all coming from the same starting place. And so some people need extra help to make things equitable versus like what you're saying. Equality is like everyone's the same across the board, but that's the whole point is everyone isn't the same across mm -hmm. the board. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this excellent example that um, I'm going to try not to butcher here that I listened to in a podcast um, in the past month. And they were talking about how, let's say the three of us go to dinner and uh, Steven, you get the caviar and Kimberly, you get the surf and turf and I get a side salad and the bill comes. And so on, you know, on the surface, it would just be easy for us all to split that up three ways because that's what's equal. But if you really break it down and do the math, if I just got a side salad, what I brought to the table and spent was a lot less than what you all decided to get. And so really to make it more, quote unquote, fair, not necessarily equal, but to give me a little bit more equity, perhaps, would be to go by it and say, OK, this is what you you bought so this is what you're going to be charged for versus doing the whole OK, everyone sitting here at the table just pays an equal amount um, because it wasn't equal. Does that make sense? Kind of. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, okay. it does. That's a good example. Yeah. So, um, Hey, on, Kimberly on feminism. Okay. The, you're saying like, and I agree with this, like it's really like to it's equity for all, you know, we're trying to get everybody at the same, same level. The word fem in the feminism part I, it was a little confusing to me sometimes because it sounds like it is about women and not necessarily about everybody. And so it's like, well, shouldn't it be named something different? I don't know if this is true. Is it because it started in the twenties with, or probably before that, but like with women trying to get the right to vote. So because it started with women making this movement, that's maybe where the word feminism comes from. So and later I it's for, like for everybody, but it's really, it's that group started it. Do you know that answer? So I want to say that um, the suffragettes would not have used the word feminism. Brandy, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think that's more a 1970s term. And you are correct on the principle, which is at that time when it first, um, the women's movement first started. Um, feminism, women's movement were used pretty interchangeably. And it was just about women and specifically white women in, in the beginning, just like the woman's right to vote in uh, 1920 um, when they won the right to vote was really only for white women. But we tend to just like, you know, just think of it to say like, oh, it's women. But it wasn't right. It was just white women. Mm hmm. 
Hey, so tell us, I know that you've told me there's three waves of feminism, which I did not know about. So you kind of know about it, but I didn't know that they were talked about in that particular way. So I think it's interesting that these different waves had different, there were different time periods, but the different things happened to them and you can kind of see the progression. Can you walk us through that? So now there's four waves, but, um, the first wave is the suffragette movement, which happened um, back in the the teens, and I think it started actually earlier than that. Um, so it was it's always a long process getting things changed in our society. Um, but the suffragettes were simply about women's right to vote, and of course that was um, white w- women. And so that's kind of what we consider the first wave. The second wave is starting in like 1970. Um, and that is the second wave. And that's what I was talking about earlier when we're talking about women's movement and feminism, that's where those terms sprung up as. And that was really a lot, also a lot of white women, straight women dominating the scene, um, at that time. And they were trying to fight for like equal pay and, um, you know, getting, uh, sexual assault laws and sexual harassment laws on on the books and you know being able to even just work the same jobs as men um was also a thing so a lot of their stuff was around like abortion for example bodily autonomy and you know employment uh equality i guess is what i would think of as most of what they were um fighting for. So then you move into the third wave in the 1980s. And this is a point in time in which women of color said, hey, but there's all these issues that you're leaving out um, that relate to us. And you have totally marginalized us and also queer women. Um, We're saying the same thing, although even in the 1970s, queer women kind of split off and had their own um, movement almost um, separate from the straight communities just because they didn't feel welcome there. And then, you know, in 1980s, that's when women of color were saying the same thing. So that's when we start looking at a more um, holistic perspective of feminism in which we see these issues such as race and class and gender um, and sexuality. Those were the main ones talked about during that time as completely interrelated and interconnected and dependent on dependent on each other to the point where you can't necessarily tease out what is what because they're all influencing each other and then moving on um into the 90s which is when i um, became of age and a feminist um more third wave feminism. You have the riot girl movement. So you have the punk rock music, um, and girl bands. Um, not like, I'm trying to think of like nineties people who I'm like, not the spice girls, not that like commercialized bullshit, but like, um, bikini kill and (laughs) sorry, bikini kill and, um, bands such as that. And you had zines or zines or whatever they were called, which back then were like, newsletters basically that were trying to spread the word of like hey and i think that started earlier too um than the 90s but it became really big in the 90s um for people to spread the word on hey let's get out and um 
change things for the better. Um, and then the fourth wave, I think, is starting. I'm not as familiar with the fourth wave, but it's more a 21st century concept. And I think it involves more like integration with technology. But I don't know very much about what they're calling the fourth wave, which is today's kind of feminism. You, you think it's maybe like the STEM, like, you know, science and math and all that, that there's not as many women in that or something? Is that what it's maybe getting to? Oh, that's not what I was getting to. I was just getting to like, you're integrating technology into your means of protest or rebellion or mm. into the movement. So now we're seeing like, you don't have stapled paper, you know, like things that you're handing out to people, you're doing things right. through social media, for example. Right. You're not like outside on, on like a street corner trying to get a petition mm -hmm. signed and some such. Okay, which I have a question, which I'm, you might not know, Kimberly. Um, and if not, that's totally fine. Okay. But do we know when they're, um, and if this falls within the same realm as feminism in terms of legalizing prostitution and sex workers, Ooh, what way that might have been in? Because it seems like it might be a newer one. Right. Or did it fall more into the second mm. one? I would say it is more a 1980s, early third wave concept, and feminists are really split on this topic. Mm -hmm. It's a hot topic. Um, so you have your, um, well, we used to say pro-sex feminism, and now we say sex-positive feminists. And then you have kind of what we used to call the anti-porn feminists or the anti-sex feminists who um, just think all porn is banned and it should just total all porn is bad and it should totally be illegalized versus um women who are feminists who believe that sex workers should have rights and that's a legitimate form of work and you know so yes mm -hmm. you are correct that it's more um of a more modern concept but it did it was being debated right mm. around i would say 1980 as early as then mm -hmm. um when you had the hot topic debates that really like split the movement a lot. Right. Um, I would say today <clears throat> though, many feminists are going to be more on the side of like um, prostitutes and sex workers rights. Mm -hmm. I think well, we're yeah. almost beyond um, trying to like phase it out or act like it's not going to happen or it's going to, you know, so now we're like, okay, what can we do to protect those people and make it as safe and um, an environment as possible? Yeah, I, that's what I think is like, right. why, why not? Right. Like, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, have sex and as long as it is safe and, you know, so you're trading money. Okay, fine. But as long as it is safe, like that's really, I think the goal and that's really the push right now is like, let's keep everybody safe and, you know, reduce the spread of diseases, you know, and, mm -hmm. and protect the people that are protect everyone, you know, who's involved. That to me makes sense to do that and just to be like, oh, it's it's wrong. So what is what is the other what's the flip side, Kimberly, the people, the feminists who are against um, they think it's degrading to women. They think in some way, shape or form, no matter even if the female that is doing this says, hey, I'm totally consenting to it, blah, blah, blah. Like they're not maybe aware of the damage it could be doing in the long term oh, okay. or something like that. Is that correct, Kimberly? 
that makes sense. That is part is that of it. And another part, part mm-hmm. is specifically around pornography and the influence that pornography has on our society in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So whereas it may not be like, well, I don't want those people to have rights. It may just be like, well, pornography shows unrealistic body standards. Pornography shows violence against women and things that negatively impact society. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, are there any other kind of key points or tenets of feminism? It, to me, the main one is like, it's the equity and treating everybody, right. getting everybody the same level. Is that, is it really that sort of simple or is there one or yeah. two other kind of main points? I wanted to point out earlier, and I had forgotten about this, that um, some people do not like the word feminism for maybe the reason that you mentioned that it sounds so female oriented when it's really about a broader spectrum of people. So some people will say I'm a humanist. Personally, I prefer feminist just because I, that's what I prefer. I feel like I don't want to get the, the female oriented part to get lost in that, but I'm not saying it's more important than any of these other isms. Mm-hmm. That may be right now. It's um, the word also helps put more focus on the situation and movement. Also, you know, to still use the word feminine, feminism, rather. Right. It's almost considered a dirty word. Women don't want to say they're um, feminist because they don't they see it as a negative thing. Um, and honestly, I feel like a lot of people who have not seen in the past how sexist our society was or racist for example they don't they haven't seen it like how bad it used to be and not that it's like perfect now or anything right because the movement still exists but that's like they don't realize like it was just a short period of time ago when um your husband could rape you and that was cool like that's not illegal Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know like your boss could grope you that's cool that's not illegal you know that is not that long ago right um I just want to say that I feel like a lot of times we're really not aware of stuff until we study it or are educated on it so it may be like oh I'm a really privileged person so until I analyze that like I didn't realize that other people didn't have like i would even go as far to say the same rights as i do yeah i've talked about that before of of not being aware of situations or conditions that other people are in you, you're just you're not exposed to it therefore you just don't know well, let's talk about something happy <laughs> <Okay. laughs> now that's important but i i do want to talk about this too uh, here's something that was interesting. I first heard about this uh, again. I think I've mentioned like I listen to like science podcasts that I really like, and there's one that comes out each week and kind of tells you stuff that's going on. And they have mentioned multiple times about the benefits of educating women. And so I went looking for an article that could kind of summarize this. So I found a good one. Uh, Joe Bourne, who's with UNICEF, she wrote an article, and it's called "Why Educating Girls Makes Economic Sense." Um, and I'm going to put a link for it in the show notes, but so it's not a very long article, but I am going to paraphrase the, the important parts kind of here and just kind of read through this. Um, so what she says is, um, 
The yields from investing in girls' education are substantial. An educated girl is likely to increase personal earning potential as well as reduce poverty in her community. According to the World Bank, a, the return on one year of secondary education for a girl correlates with as high as 25% increase in wages of life later on. The effects carry from one generation to the next. Educated girls have fewer, healthier, and better educated children. Improved literacy can have a remarkable effect on women's earnings. In Pakistan, women with high levels of literacy skills earn 95% more than women who with, with weak or no literacy skills, where the difference was only 33% between men. Investing in girls' education also helps delay marriage and parenthood. In fact, all, if all girls had secondary education in sub-Saharan Africa and, and Southwest Asia, child marriage would fall by 64%, from almost 2.9 million to just over 1 million. So at the wider societal level, educated girls lead to an increase in female leaders, lower levels of population growth, subsequent reduction in the pressures for pollution and reductions in climate change. And so what I found, I think it was Bill Nye who I first heard like he was a guest and he was on here talking about this being like, that's the, like the number one thing we can do to like impact the planet is educate women or educate young girls because it has this big impact down the road. And it was interesting to me to sit there and think like, okay, if you educate girls, your, your personal economy is going to benefit. The standard of living is going to benefit. You're going to have, you know, the population growth is going to come down Therefore, pollution is going to come down and climate change is going to come down. And I just found that really kind of miraculous uh, and, and cool. You know, it was just interesting, like, hey, let's just focus on this one thing and we can impact all these other things. Mm-hmm. Have you all have you all heard that before? Kimberly, you probably have, but. I've heard a version of it before and it makes total sense when you sit down and think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. Let me throw out my go to um, book for an introduction to feminism that's just so short and easy to read. Um, It's Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks, if you want the longer version of that book. Um, Oh, what it's, it's something, now I forgot. Oh, that's annoying. Uh, Something in the Margins by Bell Hooks is the longer the longer version but the if you want something really brief and easy to read feminism to everybody is like 100 pages oh that is good thanks um okay let's talk about how feminism benefits us as individuals do you all have thoughts that come to mind like what what does feminism do for for you personally or just individuals in general like why should we as individuals care sorry i was making a little note in my phone about that book Okay, well, we can also put it in the show notes as well. So anybody else out there who wants that uh, link. Um, I mean, for me personally, it's it benefits me in so many ways. Like the work that the women have done coming before me really benefits me. Like I wouldn't be able to, like I, you know, kind of said earlier, get an abortion or have any rights when I'm raped or, you know, I could just go on and on. Um, it, it benefits me in many ways. And for example, we're still working on um, equal pay for uh, equal work. Um, 
I'm not sure that it changes, but like usually it's like women on average make 78 cents to every male dollar. And so, and then if you look at um, women of color, then it even drops even lower, right? So it does benefit um, me personally, but I think it can benefit everything, everyone, just like I said earlier, men can benefit. Um, yeah, how can it benefit me? <laughs> I want to well, hear what you, you say. Can, you can be, you can be f- like basically in a sense, like freed from this toxic masculinity ideals, such, such as I can't express my emotions or you'll love this, Steve. You don't have to do all the like um, manual labor around the house. I know I you do like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's so sexy seeing Kimberly with a screwdriver in her hand getting ready to go fix something, you know, it's, oh, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me personally, it, it's without having been able to get an education and and be a nurse and kind of move up in that field. Um, and, and the options and opportunities I've had available because of being able to pursue an education, I wouldn't be able to have an independent life from someone else contributing an income. Um, and so I think from a toxic masculinity perspective, I can hear me out, y'all. I can understand how feminism could be threatening to some males. Um to think that I could, you know, be an equal in a partnership and that I could up and leave whenever I wanted because I can make it on my own and I don't need someone. I think um, some men might have to do a little bit more insight into that and, and figure out why they might not be okay with that. Does that make sense? It does. You know, for me personally, <laughs> I guess I feel like I've gone through some of this. Okay. It's like, as, as a guy, it's like you, you hear these messages like, well, you're, you know, uh, if you want to like woo her over, then you've got to like lead things, you know, you've got to show her that you can are strong and you can like do this stuff. And, and, um, that ends up being really bad, poor information. It's, it's inaccurate. It's inaccurate to start off with. Right. But because of that, you, you make bad assumptions and some bad mm-hmm. decisions along the way, not on purpose, but it's because you've got the bad information. So I think it's much better to kind of know like to, that you don't have to be that way, you know, and a mm-hmm. lot of, I think like we're going to be talking about is like, you know, what makes us attractive? Well, so often as, as men, what we're taught makes us attractive is only like half true, you know, mm-hmm. and that is one of those myths. Like I really want to dispel out there. And then I also want to be like, what is attractive? And I think that a lot of that stuff gets, and that's really for a different different podcast. We'll talk about that. We've talked about mm-hmm. it in the past, but um, but yeah, like what is attractive? I think it's like people don't always stop to think like what makes us attractive, and so therefore the stereotypes come in, and the stereotypes are often wrong, and the stereotypes mm-hmm. are just you know it's like you get down the wrong track, and you have all of a sudden you're acting in a poor mm-hmm. way, which pushes people away, and so you're not connecting with them. Instead, you're stepping on their toes and being mm-hmm. a dick. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, I think that's a big one for me, you know, personally, that it's that it has um, helped with and is really good and that I that I care about. Uh, So, yeah, I do think if feminism is is for everybody, you know, I think that's a core core tenet of it. And it does help us all at the same time. And one of the other things I think that's a message of it, though, is like that 
you've got support. Like we're all here in this group. We're going to like support each other and you're not alone. So if you need help, we're here to help you. And you also know that if you ever need help, somebody's there to kind of help lift you up too. You know, I think that's a message that I get, get from it that I really kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is kind of neat is when somebody says something inappropriate, the question is then like, when do you sort of step up and say something or not? But also to that, it's like how you say it. So I think the issue of feminism starts to get us to think about these things, you know, because we've, you know, as an example, it's like, you know, so-and-so's boss says something inappropriate at work. Okay. And we've all heard stories like that. And it gets you thinking through the process of like, okay, well, where do I draw the line? When am I going to, when am I going to just not worry about it? Cause it's not that big a deal. Or when do I decide it is a big deal and I am going to say something. And then the next step is, when it's time to say something, how do I say it in a way that is is going to work well and is not just going to come and, you know, because the, the end goal is like if somebody says something inappropriate, you really want to, I'm going to say educate or get them to kind of not say it again in the future, understand what's going on. So if you just like bash them for it, that may not be the most effective way to communicate not to do it again or, or why it was accidentally wrong. You might not be aware that when you say this, it hurts other people, you know? So I think that whole approach, that's something else that I think I get out of it too, is it's like, when, when is the right time to stand up and say something and how, which the same thing is true with like the LGBT you know, community. When somebody says something bad there, you know, that's, you know, I have to decide myself because I mean, people could be like, well, look at Steve. He's a white, straight male. Like he's just like us. And they say something, you know, and it's like you you can't let certain things go. And other times it's like it's just accidental and the person's totally unaware. So what were you going to say, Brandy? Uh, I'm not. I'll just give an example. Um, I'm not necessarily recommending this. <laughs> I'm just saying it works for me. So being a nurse, um, I work in a customer service industry. And so sometimes there are patients that feel like because of that exchange that they can maybe say something inappropriate. And really what has mostly like worked for me is if somebody said something inappropriate, I've like just, there's like a look that comes across my face and, and then that immediate, and then they'll laugh after they say whatever comment. And I just give them this look and I was like, well, that's not okay to say. And they're like, oh, I was just joking. And I said, did you see me laugh? And then that literally, they're completely professional from then on out. And the relationship is reestablished the way it should have been. Now, I'm not saying that's a learning experience for them. I'm just saying that's a way for me to have an interaction with a patient to level set again when I'm going to have more interactions with them in the future. That's a learning experience for them. It is. To, to be your gently putting them back in their place yeah you know and that's which that's perfect it's what needs to happen and you're doing it in a gentle way you know you're not being over the top about it because again if you're over the top about it the person's going to like double down and be like you're crazy but if you do it in a nice way then it's like the person is like okay i'm not going to do that again yeah they're going to focus more on your reaction and not the message and what you're saying yeah Yeah. Uh yeah right right and i think they want to if you do it gently without being too critical, like, like you've done in that, then it's more effective because then the person just kind of stops and it, it, you know, yeah, you've been nice to them. They can't really attack you or anything, you know? So it's like, they're, they're just, yeah. Mm. All right. So how do you all think about uh, feminism? These have been good. 
feminism related to flirting and seduction. How has it benefited or hurt flirting? It, Brandy, you're looking around. I can see you looking around, but you've already answered part of it, which is like you've talked about like the toxic masculinity and stuff. Yeah. But I think this gets a little conflicting for me personally, because um, sometimes I've, I've, it's really nice to be taken care of. And then I feel guilty for that because I'm like, no, I'm a strong, independent woman. Like, so oh, I, I have femininity. a lot of, I have a lot of internal conflict with this from time to time. Toxic, what? Femininity. Toxic femininity? Maybe a little bit <laughs> because it's like, I feel bad if someone takes me out to eat and pays and I'm like, okay, now like I just, yeah, it's an like issue with me. Them. So. Like I owe them. And I'm yeah. like, I just want you to know I can pay for my half. Like I feel very defensive about it. So it has to be like an understood, like, Hey, I'm taking you on a date tonight. I'm like, okay, then mm -hmm. I don't feel bad about it. But yeah, I'm ever evolving in that category. I like to open Kimberly's car door. Like if we go on a date or something like that, you know, which yeah. I think is actually because my, my dad taught me like, Oh, this is what you're going to do. But, uh, I remember talking like, I was like, I don't mean anything bad, but I just would like to do it just out of, you know, respect and nice. It just would make me feel good to take care of you. It's, and then you know, every now and then she'll open my car door. It's very special. Oh, we won't tell anyone Kimberly. It's okay. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> Yeah, I that's mean, really people sweet. really have like mixed feelings over that, like mm -hmm. the men open it or the men. I mean, and really, don't we have bigger problems in life? Whether or not somebody opens a door for another person, like who cares? Right. Like, yeah. I care because I like it, but is that really a focal point of my like activism or you know whatever? Like no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, but you should open the car door just in the sense of like it's it's nice to care for other people. You know, forget the. Mm -hmm. Forget if it's men, women, whatever. You know, it's just it's nice to kind of care for people, and I think it's that helps us. Mm -hmm. um, what else for as far as how it? Well, let me ask this question first because I was this is really something I was curious about. Okay, so fe feminism, the flirting styles between men, women, and I'm going to say queer people. Okay, just just take those three as examples. Okay, does feminism impact? those groups differently. So what I'm asking is uh, with, uh, you know, men, it might be like, Oh, well, you need to learn how to connect better and not, you know, overstep your bounds or, you know, treat the person, but you, it can like be leveling that way where for women, it might be like, Oh, we're going to empower you to like actually say what you want and ask for what you mean. But those are kind of generic. And I feel like, right. Th they're, they're not, I feel like there's more to it than just that. So, but, and, and part of me wants to say, cause it'd be really nice to just be like, no, it does the same thing for all the different groups at the same time, you know, because it is that the equity that we're going for. So what are your thoughts? Do you think it is like, really like, no, it's the same thing. Or do you feel like, yes, it's the same thing. We're all trying for equity, but it's going to specialize and help different groups in different ways. So, so as far as the flirting styles, flirting, seduction, that kind of stuff, that different groups do you feel like are impacted or would use it in different ways? I'll let Kimberly go first. Oh, thanks. You're so welcome. I don't guess that I, this is what I was saying when we were talking earlier. <laughs> like, I don't really see too much how it correlates to flirting, except for if I am like, starting to see a guy for example and he doesn't get feminism then i feel like there's a high chance he's not going to be 
respecting me as a woman. And so that's one of the ones I had down to me. That's where it's like intersecting, um, basically just making you a better person, you know, um, and maybe then that's fine, but we're not a good match then if he doesn't understand feminism because it's also a big part of my identity, then it's really hard for me to be like, oh, okay, well, you, I can like tell you some stuff about fem- feminism, but if you're like totally opposed to it, that's mm-hmm. probably not a good match between me and you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a big one. Okay. Is that, that is the educating part like that, um, the more educated you are on feminism, the, I think it impacts the way you interact with other people. And that could be like a leveling of like, I'm not going to say these, these particular jokes that I used to say, you know, cause I, I now I'm starting to perceive them a little bit differently, but it can also be that I understand, I have a better sense of like what women have gone through because like your explanation you gave Kimberly of some of the history through it. And you, you make me think a little bit differently of it. And so I think all that does impact. So as we're, as I'm, on my first date with Brandy and we're starting to, you know, talk and things like that. I think just having that knowledge in the back of your head impacts how you act on that particular date or how you interact with that person. That's, that's to me is a key thing that I, a reason I think it's important. And like you say, it's not just helping flirting. It's really helping mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to put that in the category of like, it's we're more knowledgeable. Therefore we have better understanding. And also, I'm going to say, maybe not accidentally insulting. Uh, using my dad as an example, he will say things not being aware of how it hurts people or steps on them, you know? And it's like, he's just not, I don't want to say he's doing it on purpose. I think it, I like to think that it's like, he's just not aware, you know, of of certain things he says, you know? So I think, again, being mm-hmm. educated, then you become more aware. Mm-hmm. Um, also, oh, like this one. This is my favorite. The one like, what's a pretty girl like you doing not married? You know, and I'm like, I don't understand how to even <laughs> answer that question. Because there's a type you, you of saying like, that there's something wrong with you if you're not married. And then they're like, but then you have to base it on physical appearance and getting married. I was like, right. there's so much wrong with this it's question. So I don't have time. Problematic. To, <laughs> so, um, but it is so popular. It's so common. It's I'm like, oh, so many ways. You anyway. say something like, hey, what, how did a horrible person like you ever get married? You can, if the person you can respect. I, I usually just say people can't put up with my sarcasm. It's, it's sarcasm. <laughs> it's I like anyway, that. and then good. I don't laugh and it's like a flat face. It's great. That's good. And then we move on and let me be a nurse again. But anyway. <laughs> uh, other ones that came to my mind about how it helps, okay, is that when you're just meeting somebody like early on and you don't know them very well that I think having these concepts of the the better connections, it can help you have those better connections both early on when you don't know them well, but then also I think just longer term, you know, as you do know a person better, you're the more understanding you are of situations they've gone through. Or like I was saying earlier, it's like you end up having your own perspective and until you hear other people's perspectives, you're often not aware of situations, you know, or the inequity of the of what's going on. Uh, and also, this is one of my favorite ones. Okay, is that by being aware of feminism and showing others that you are aware of it, um, it it's going to they're going to tend to view you as intelligent, you know, and caring. And both of those, when you're viewed that way, are attractive traits. 
you know, so it's going to make you like Kimberly said, it's going to make you more attractive than the person who is say on a date with her and does not care at all or know anything about, about feminism. So I think just knowing it again, just knowing the history of it and stuff like that is, is, is good for us. Mm -hmm. so, um, last question for really that I had here. Okay. Is feminism compatible with seduction? So let me throw it out this way because I thought about this. What is what's the word seduction mean? So it's not incompatible incompatible if we're ethically seducing. <laughs> That's kind of where I went. What you going to say something, Brandy? No, I was still trying to. Yeah. Okay. No, in in my notes when I was writing this thing, you know, I'm like, okay, is it? Uh, this is how I wrote it. I was like, is feminism compatible with seduction? That led me to be like, well, what is the definition of seduction? Okay. And I feel like there's sort of two definitions, and it really gets into ethical or unethical. So the uh, the the unethical, which I don't really necessarily like, and I don't think if this is a good definition of seduction, it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm tricking somebody to sleep with me, you know, or I'm going to take a married woman and get her, like lead her astray so that she's, you know, cheating on her husband. Seduction, that's often like what first comes to people's minds, you know, and again, I don't think of it that way. To me, it's like putting out the effort and showing that you care enough to, to woo this person, you know, and, and you know, putting your best foot forward and things. So in that regard, I hadn't thought about it before, but it's like, yeah, I think there is maybe an ethical, unethical version of them. So I think the ethical version would work very well with, with feminism, the unethical sort of cheating, misleading aspect is, would, would kind of clash with, I think, feminist values. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. So let me, th thanks. It was good. I, I want to summarize kind of some of the, I think some of the key points that we talked about here, um, that improving education for girls is, that's a big trigger and it impacts a whole bunch of things. And so it was like reducing poverty, increased wages, representation of women. Uh, it delays marriage and parenting, which reduces population and pollution and climate change. I thought that was just really cool that it's like, it does all that stuff. As individuals, it tends to empower us by su sort of supporting us. It lets us stand up for each other and really is, and I wrote down, I, this is where I was going to have the conversation about equality versus equity, you know, but, but it's trying to get everybody treated on the same level, no matter where your, your starting point is. And then for flirting, um, you know, I, I have talked a lot more. I think about it. It's like, there's so much, so much about like why we like somebody is down to attraction and trust. So that the, those are two key building blocks. You know, you have to be able to feel comfortable and trust the other person. And then you have to have that they have to be attracted to you, we'll say. So it's like, how does feminism kind of relate to that? So if feminism is empowering, you know, it helps build confidence. It lets you know when you should speak up and when you should not, you know, um, protect, being protective, you know, like, you know, if somebody says something bad, if Kimberly, or she, she has a bad, you know, it's like, there's this part of me that wants to sort of stand up with her and be a little mm -hmm. bit protective, not in a, um, what do you call it? Toxic masculinity way, but just like as a supportive kind of way. Um, like in a, hey, she deserves more respect than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So, and, and that is, yeah. 
and, and caring and helping. And mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, forming better connections, that is a trust that hits the trust thing. And then the other stuff being empowered, confident, caring, protective, all of those are your attractive traits, you know? So it's like under doing the feminist stuff to me, you're hitting the attraction buttons and you're hitting the trust buttons and the how is, you know, those are the, really, those are the two buttons to hit. You know, if you do mm -hmm. those things to so somebody who's going to like you, they're going to like you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, so anyway, that, that was, that was it. And I thought that was kind of neat. So I was, I appreciate you all running through that with me and having the discussion. And uh, yeah, I, I knew you all would tell me stuff that I didn't, didn't know. And the so. book that I couldn't think of what it's called earlier, which is the longer version of Bell Hooks's Feminism for for is for everybody is called um, Feminist Theory from Margin to Center. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Kimberly, make sure you give those to me and I'll put them in the show notes. Okay. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, all right. That that wraps us up for today. Uh, that was that was a good conversation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, next week. I think we're going to start, we have, we have something new that I've been working on. If you go to the, Brandy doesn't even know about this. If you oh, go I'm, to the, you see my face, I was like, you know, I love surprises. <laughs> if you go to the website now, what? we have, if you go to the website now, so we're going to be doing a newsletter. Like if you want a weekly newsletter, so you can go in there and you can subscribe and then we'll give you a, a weekly newsletter. So the newsletter, I'm going to include, like, it's going to, kind of give a highlight of like, what is the podcast episode that's coming out? But also I'm going to give like the show notes. So if somebody really wants to kind of not necessarily study, but have more information, then it's like they can have all of our show notes from the thing that'll be in there. So they're going to have that, you know, the information about the actual podcast coming out. I also want to make sure we give like extra tips and put that in there. That's like just extra stuff that we don't necessarily talk about anywhere else, but it's like just tips on flirting and seduction. Um, and then if there's other general news, we'll probably put it in there too. But I just want to send out like one letter a week. I don't want to be flooding anybody's, you know, inboxes or, you know, mm -hmm. making a junk email that people don't want. So if anybody's interested, you can go there and you can sign up for that. The other part, though, is that we're, I'm trying to work on um, like down the road. I really want to address like there's eight parts is what I've kind of identified as like what is flirting and seduction. So I have it broken into eight different parts and I don't have it in front of me or I'd read it out. But like built, uh, trust and attraction were like the first two, you know, and so there's and. Uh, well, anyway, trust and attraction, the first two. So these eight different kind of focal points of is really what I think like it, from doing these classes and talking about all this, it's like, it's too much information. So it's like, how do you break it down into topics that you can kind of easily understand and sort of visualize how they all fit together? So I've got these eight different focal points. And so we have put together a PDF, like a, it's a guide, you know, it's about 10 pages long that kind of walks you through these eight, these eight different focal points. And so the idea there is just that you read through this and it helps give you a better idea about like flirting, but also like relationships and how the whole kind of pieces maybe fit together. Um, and then down the road, I want to start hitting the podcast and kind of walking through each of these eight. So if you want to go to the website and if you subscribe for the newsletter, you get the access in there for that PDF too, for the, uh, for the, for the guide for flirting and seduction. And then, like I say, the upcoming shows, I think we're going to start focusing, maybe not all one after the other, but, but pretty soon we're going to kind of work our way through those eight different focal points. And so that at the end, I think we'll give everybody a pretty good, hopefully pretty good overview of the, the big picture and, and how things work. So, so yeah, so check that out. And then down the road too, Brandy, I want to do a, uh, 
episode with you and I, where we tell a couple of humiliating stories that we might have, and uh, then we'll tie that into why that's good for flirting, seduction, and all that. But we'll we'll get into that later on. That one's going to be fun and interesting oh, and funny. Goodness. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that that'll get worked in there too. So that's where we're kind of headed. So stay tuned. If, if that sounds good. Um, I feel like I'm already blushing. I know. <laughs> Uh, and if you have specific questions about, about any of this, you know, you can email us at, you can email me at Stephen at ethicalseduction.com. If you go to the website, we've got a button on there that you can hit, which is just like what, what we had uh, earlier today for our questions. So just tap that button, leave us a voicemail that, that records it for us and we can use it on the episode. And we would love to get stuff like that where we can, we can respond. And um, we're on Instagram, FetLife, Pinterest, and first time listeners, if you want to hit subscribe, you know, and that way we come every come out new, new episode every Friday and uh, we're on, we're everywhere, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. So, so thank you. And we'll talk again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.